This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Yuak Maxson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. Ooh, hi, hi, hey, hey, hello, hi. That's how, um, Julio Torres. Okay, that was a four, <laughs> that was a, I just edited out like a 30 second silence where I just was thinking about his name, trying to come up with his name. Julio Torres, that's how he starts every stand-up routine. He's always like, hi, 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 hey, hey. So, I'm certain that there's a certain echoey quality to this. Let me fix that, actually. Okay, I just pulled a bunch of fabric around to make it a little bit less echoey, but I haven't done anything real to the space yet. I moved in yesterday. I just slept my first night here, and I just woke up, and it's like... There's just boxes everywhere, and, and I, like, assembled a TV yesterday, so it's standing on his little feet on the floor in the middle of the room, and there's, like, a freestanding bookshelf in the middle of the room that I just put the books on real quick, and then I mounted the podcast microphone stand on, and then behind it, there's, like, a air mattress straight on the floor, like, I don't even own a bed yet. So I just moved in, just slept my first night, I just woke up. And it's like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when you are sleeping on the floor on an air mattress and you're in a new, it's so disorienting to be in a new place. So I woke up and I was all disoriented. And then you try to get out of an air mattress, like you try to get off of it and you're on the floor and there's like, your whole body is all weird and and stiff and you just have that you just woke up sense of balance. So I like managed to get out of it and I like put a hand on the bookshelf and then I experienced this feeling of complete unreality where it feels like the floor is literally caving in under me, but really I was falling over and the bookshelf was falling over. So it wasn't the floor moving, it was the bookshelf moving and the bookshelf just immediately, I leaned on it apparently. Or I put some, I touched it, and I put some weight on it in some direction. So it fucking toppled over and landed on my TV. <laughs> it's so disorienting. Like, a such a disorienting way to wake up. So there was just books everywhere, and then I had to, like, plug my TV in to see if my TV is destroyed. But it, my TV seems fine, and my bookshelf seems fine. And then I just, like, sit on a chair in the middle of all this chaos, and I'm like, okay... Take my laptop out, Google the words. How do I stabilize a freestanding bookshelf? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny to Google things, to Google questions that there aren't answers for, because Google will always give you an answer, even if there is no answer. Like, I remember back in Sweden, when I was living in Ulrike Dahl, I, I never, I wasn't in a good habit of cooking a lot, but I would want to cook. So I wouldn't have any ingredients and I, middle of the night, I would have a big idea for a big cooking project. And I remember Googling shit like, how do you make pancakes without eggs and flour? And then they'll give you an answer. They'll be like, oh, you can make pancakes. Just mash up some apple and put some potato starch in it and add sugar. And it's like, like you, there's nothing you, you can Google like that that won't give you an answer. Like Google won't, I think... 30 years from now, when search engines are better, search engines search engines will sometimes give you, be a grown-up in the room and be like, no, you can't. Like, what you are Googling isn't, 
this isn't viable. You know? God. You know? How common are vaccine injuries? And then Google is like, look, vaccine injury is a made-up fucking term by anti-vaxxers. That's not the word. We don't use that word. We There's like big data, you know, side effects. You know, you compare this, blah, 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 you know? There's no way to just stabilize a bookshelf without doing a big building project of like strapping it down or like building a fucking platform for it to stand on and then screwing it into that platform. The only thing that it said that made sense is like, put the heavy stuff at the bottom of the bookshelf. And I was already doing that. Just the books are on the bottom two shelves. Fucker thing still tipped over though. <laughs> so good. God, so disorienting. Literally one of the most disorienting moments. Like just, it's one thing to wake up at some friend's house and how that's a little bit disorienting. Like where am I? But it's like very disorienting on a more, on a deeper level to wake up the first night in a new place where you're living and be like, I live here. And the whole thing feels like cautiously familiar. Like, Like there's a, you're cautiously sinking your spiritual teeth into the thing and making it, wrapping your, you know, wrapping your soul around everything or whatever that expression is. Oh man, I wish this wasn't so echoey though. I'm a, for next week's episode, I'm gonna have to fucking pad this shit up. I got too many barren, juxtaposing flat surfaces creating an echo. Um. It's funny because last episode I was like, I'm going to go look at an apartment. And then now it's the next episode and I'm like, yeah. So all my things are in that place now and I've moved out. Uh, so stressful. So stressful how quick it was. Moving is so stressful. Like, I never have headaches because I don't drink alcohol and I fucking chill the fuck out and... I stay healthy and I never have headaches. But like in the last seven days, I've just like three days have just been like, I just had a headache from waking up till falling asleep, just a stress headache. And just now I woke up and I like woke up feeling all right. And then I tipped my bookcase over and I'm like, oh, my head, my head just hurts. But I'm feeling really good about this mic stand. I've never, I bought it. It's 120 bucks. It's the really good one that everyone uses. Never used it before. But now I'm in my space. I can put, sh- I can do whatever I want with this space. And the first thing I broke out was the mic stand. So here's something I realized. I, I've moved a lot. Um, like I've moved pretty much every year, every 12 months for 35 years, or at least since I was 17 or whatever. So I've changed apartments a lot, but I still suck at walking into a place when I'm looking for a place, walking into it, looking at it, deciding if it's good or not. And with this place, I walked in, I looked, I'm looking at it like, yeah, seems fine. I have no idea. That's how I feel. Seems fine. Who knows? And then I'm like, fuck it, I'll take it. And then when I move all my shit in, then day two, I'm sitting here. And for the first time, I am 
touching the things and pulling the drawers out and wiggling the handles of stuff and sort of holding the shelves and like pushing on stuff, kicking the tires, so to speak. And for the first time I realized like, oh, this is a nice place. Like this was made by the the lady who built this cottage. She built it herself on her property. She's like a retired grower or whatever. Oh, she's a rich lady and she bought the nice version of everything. Like, oh, you pull the drawer out and it's like, oh, it's it's the nice one. Where like the handle is real nice and all the wood of the whole thing, everything is new and it's nice. And it's like, I had no way of noticing that when I was supposed to be noticing that. It's a lot like... Why don't we have a solution for this? It's a lot like when you go to a clothing store, you grab an article of clothing, you look at it, you hold it up to your body, and you're like, I don't know if I'll look good in this. You go in the dressing room, you put it on, you're like, I have no idea. And the only way to find out if you like it or not is to buy it, take it home, put it on, you immediately know if you like it or not. You're like, ugh, this material is gross, or, or, or damn, damn. That that booty do be bussin', you know? It that booty do be bussin' sometimes. Like the youngsters say. Oh, who who whoever whomever tried to sell me this is an op. God. That's how the youngsters talk. Um Why is it that we Yeah, why is it that we are I don't know. It's something about imagining. Actually, I think it's a really, really abstract and subtle problem of like, you have to be in a state of deep imagination to be able to tell if you like the article of clothing or the house. But when there are other people around, and when you're outside, and when you're in like a tense social situation that it means to be outside, like when you're just outside, not in your safe space, you cannot get to that state of imagination and focus. It's um, yesterday I finished reading this book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Everyone knows I'm a big Hari head. I'm a big Hari Hari. Um, he wrote Chasing the Scream, which is a medium good book about the war on drugs. And then he wrote, what was his other book? The other one that was really, oh, Lost Connections. Lost Connections is like one I've referred to maybe a hundred times on the podcast because it's like, it's about loneliness and it's about like um, seven or eight ways in how modern society has made us all disconnected from each other. And that's why we're depressed. Like all these mega trends over a hundred years that really sort of like atomized us and everything hugely influential book in the in the tiny tiny depressed mind of sparkling water aficionado Joachim Eriksson um so when when I hear that Yuhan Hari is out with a new book and it's called Stolen Focus and it's about why we can't focus anymore I'm like that meme where the guy just banging his credit card on the table take my money take my money bang 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 take my money (laughs) I'm that meme you know give me the book so I read this book and it's like, yeah, it's exactly what I want, you know? So 
what what just brought me to think about that is that um the book lists something like fucking 10 or 11 different reasons for why we can't focus anymore and one of them is this thing that's it's obvious and i don't know that anyone would argue with it but it's subtle and it's horrible and it's like how kids not all of it is focused on kids but the last three or four reasons of why we can't focus are focused on why kids can't focus and it's like the overdiagnosing of adhd there's this he zooms in on this doctor who um is sort of really really doesn't want to just prescribe ritalin for kids when they have uh, adderall when um when they have adhd and he realizes that if you really sit down with the kid and ask like so when did this problem start and like what is going on in your life you can usually figure out most of the time you can figure out that it's like something really stressful started happening in the kid's life there's something about like you know the parents are fighting or like someone's getting fucking molested molested or like you know they live in the fucking ghetto and you live with your grandma and your grandma is sleeping in her bathtub so that she won't get shot by so that she won't have to worry about a stray bullet hitting her when she's sleeping like there are horrible war zone areas of america right and then it's just like the human mind what I was going to, the, the thing about it was like the human mind has all these different states of, obviously, of when you, um, you know, of what's going on. And to expect a kid to live in a dangerous situation and then go to school and focus on math is ridiculous. And in the same way, it's like, it's ridiculous because even we can't even go in a dressing room and ima- and focus enough to imagine if this t-shirt if the cut of this t-shirt if like the stitch work is good like you can't even decide if the stitch work is good until you make it back to your house and you get to sit in quiet in your living room and hold the piece up and look at it that's the first time you can decide if it's good or not and you can't even decide that in the store so it's like how is this kid living in fucking gangland Baltimore, supposed to learn fucking, you know, denominator, carry the fucking, carry the 40, you know? Having a little bit of yerba mate over here. Mm. Love those. Clean cause. Love that stuff. Yeah, stolen focus, I like it. It's um, It's got all these ones like Facebook, the, the infinite scroll of Facebook. And, um, you know, the algorithm and just what it does to your brain to constantly, it's interesting because this, it's such preaching to the choir, this book, because I'm already, I've already talked about this on the podcast many times because it's something that bothers me so much and that I think is so like, it's fucking me up so much. And I think it's such an important crusade in modern life to like not have TikTok on your phone because like. If you teach your brain to every two seconds be like, am I interested in this next, next, next? And then I just find a book that's just like 300 pages about that. Something I already believe. Oh, so pleasant to just sink into 300 pages of something you already believe. (laughs) It's such a stupid like 
uh, I don't know. Is it interesting? It's more. It is more smart. It is more like true wisdom stuff to be, um, to read a book that you uh, by a person you don't agree with, which is probably why I should read um, that Scott Adams book that Luke gave me. It's called something annoying, stuck on stupid or something about liberals. Just some shit where I disagree from page one to page three hundred twenty-five. That's like a more challenging intellectual pursuit to read something you don't agree with. But it is, I mean, both things are good, though. Because, like, if you have an opinion, maybe flesh it out and get some get some real stuff to pin it. I mean, look, Stolen Focus, there's stuff in there that no one should do. Like, it's just the truth. Having social media on your phone will make you a worse human being. You can't enjoy things, you can't focus, you can't do things well, you can't enjoy things well. And it's so interesting because the book finds all the people that used to work at the companies. And you can point to each individual thing. Like Infinite Scroll is, is the concept of old in the old-timey websites, you used to go to the page and everything is on the page. And then if you want more stuff, you have to click something and get to the next page. But Facebook and all the... I think it was Facebook that came up with it first. There was this guy and he invented... He was like, what if you scroll to the bottom and we just load more stuff infinitely? And then that makes it smoother so you never leave. It makes it way harder to leave because when you have to make the deliberate choice of looking at more stuff people will drop off and they'll they'll have to ask themselves like do i want to keep fucking looking at this do i want to keep looking at videos of of isis do i want to keep watching like just 911 truther memes but they this guy was like what if we just make it scroll infinitely so whenever you get close to the bottom we just load more stuff at the bottom and then the guy who invented infinite scroll later was like left Facebook and became this guy who's like clearly can tell how it's ruining everyone's brain to do it. So they, he, Johan Hari in this book, he identified and tracked down and interviewed all the different individuals who had the, all the specific ideas, like the infinite scroll and like which feeling is the feeling that Oh, shit, I think my landlady just came back. Um, like, which feeling, or, or like, how do we teach the algorithm to, to identify the feeling of the video so that we can start matching up, like, this video gives him this feeling and that makes him act this way. So all the videos that create this feeling make him really stay on this so the feelings of anger and bad so like the key words the it's he has his list of seven i can't remember all seven but there's this list of seven words that are the the words that lead to people um to lead to the most engagement that make you stay on facebook the longest and it's like the words blame bad destroys obliterate it's like all these really negative uh just hot take, like super loaded, people are in conflict, everyone hates you, like it's a worldview of, uh, you know, bad, slams, destroys, 
oh, click it, click it. For me, it's just like Trump. You put Trump in any headline, and I'm like, okay, fuck it, I'll read it. Fuck it. What do you do now? Fuck it. Take my money, you know? I'm just... I'm just a guy slamming my credit card on the counter being like, take my money. You put the word Trump in a headline, fuck it. <clears throat> Here's something I found on the web. That's like a sentence that's playing in my head. Because Alexa, sometimes you ask her something and if she doesn't know how to answer it, a lot of things she just knows how to answer it. But if she doesn't know how to answer it, she'll just Google what you said and then she'll say, Here's something I found on the web. And then she just starts reading the first Google hit, leading to some hilarious situations. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, sometimes I just, that sentence just shows up in my head a lot now. So, yeah, I recommend Stolen Focus. Not as much as I recommend 4,000 Weeks, though, that I was talking about more recently or before that. Maybe we should drink water. We got three different berry-flavored waters today. So, acai blueberry from Yerbe. Can't believe I haven't fucking reviewed this already. Like, when I first started the podcast, I messaged Yerbe, and they sent me a variety pack of, like, ten of them. And I've literally had these now for two years, just, like, slowly reviewing them one by one, hating every single one. Yeah, way too strong. Just, Yerbe, just... Cool it with the aspartame. Just just dial it back with the aspartame. Yeah, that's awful. Because it's like a hollow blueberry. Like, it tastes like blueberry. But it tastes like a blueberry. You bite into it, the blueberry flavor hits you, and then you punc puncture through that flavor, and you get to the center of the berry, and it's like hollow and horrible. Is that my landlady or is that her mom? I think it's her mom, actually. Yeah, that's a 2 out of 10. Yerba acai blueberry, 100 milligrams of caffeine, boosted by yerba mate. You know what happens to me a lot? Here's a bad thing that happens to me a lot. God, I wish there was some feedback loop. I'm going to say this, and I really wonder if anyone relates to this, and there's no way for me to know what anyone's thinking as they listen. But but so <clears throat> I'll, I'll be sitting in my car, and I'm just thinking about, like, the next 24 hours and the previous 24 hours, like everyone always. And I'm like, I got to do that, and I got to remember to do that, and then, like, what song do I want to listen to? And then I'll think of something fucking horribly stressful that I have to do. And my heart will just sink into my stomach and I just feel terrible. And then I'm like, oh yeah, what song? And then I'm like, I want to listen to this song. And then I put this song on. And then I sit there with this horrible sinking feeling in my heart. And then I'm like, what was I just thinking about that gave me that feeling? And I literally can't remember the thing that made my heart drop, but my heart has already dropped. So I sit there with this horrible, sunken, hollow black hole in my heart and I can't remember why but just because I can't remember why doesn't mean that the feeling goes away so then I'm just driving around and I can only remember good things so I'm like 
things seem pretty good. Like, I remember that, that's going on, that's going on in my life, that's going on. Everything seems like it's going pretty good. But at the same time, I'm like, but I do have this horrible feeling in my heart. Like, like I can't remember what just five minutes ago gave me that horrible feeling, but something did, and I, I thought it was horrible, so there must be something horrible going on, but I can't remember it. And it's like this disconnect between my subconscious and my conscious or something. Oh, fuck. It happened to me two days ago in this extremely stark way where I like I get off work or something on Monday and I'm I'm um or I'm driving around on Tuesday or something and I um and everything's going pretty good I think in life. I found an apartment. It's really nice. I got the keys, everything worked out. I have enough money for everything. I'm saving money, you know. I have all the stuff I need. I'm really looking forward to go to Ikea to just get exactly the stuff I want from Ikea. I get a little slice of Sweden. Serve up a little slice of Sweden in my own home. Own home. Own home. Own home. Welcome to my own home. Um... I'm really going to make this look like a fucking Ikea catalog in this bitch. You know, people think that's trashy and stuff because it's basic. It's basic bitch foundation, basically. But look, when you're a lonely, atomized Swede just tumbling through the black space of of America and you just want to you just want to represent, I think it might go really, really hard on the Swedish stuff. I think it might go full Sweden, full light colored wood, you know? Just all light birch, all fucking compressed birch, wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Oh. Floor to ceiling, Yvlig. There's all, it, it's a, one funny thing that I've noticed Googling furniture and stuff is that because IKEA did that thing where they just put random Swedish words on furniture and stuff. That sort of became a thing to just put Scandinavian-sounding fucking letter combinations on home goods. So when you Google it, other brands will have put just random letters that seem to an American vaguely Scandinavian on their products, but they're not actual Swedish words. And to a Swede, this is fucking offensive as fuck. Like, God damn it, guys. That is not okay. Oh my god. You're going to send me a, sell me a fucking ice tray on Amazon and and just call it some made up made up Swedish word? I'm not buying that ice tray, bro. Might screen cap it and might screen cap it and put it on social media though. One bad thing about social media that I was thinking about that I'm, that really breaks my heart is how, and this is still in the context of reading this book, Stolen Focus, it's like I wish there was a way to post things on social media without it immediately turning into this thing where you, when I post something on social media, I immediately become hyper-focused on did I get a bunch of likes or retweets or whatever. And I never do. I never get enough that it feels good. But even if, even with people who do, it's just not. 
it's just not a healthy metric. Like, why can't we come up with something that's... The whole thing is so annoying and broken. Like, it actually blows my mind what a bad product Facebook is. Because when I go on Facebook, my feed is the same 24 people. It's ads sprinkled in, but outside of the ads, it's the same 24 people posting all the time. And 12 of them are really someone like I bumped into eight years ago and we just for some reason became Facebook friends. And I cannot remember where I met them or who they are. But their shit start always shows up in my feed. And it and I've many times I've tried to work on it and curate my feed and be like, okay, we can still be friends, but I'm gonna do this unfollowing feature so that you don't show up in my feed. So you like curate your thing and like prune it and do a little bit of gardening in the fucking flower garden of your own social media feed. And you pull some weeds out. But even though I work on it sometimes, it just isn't enough. And 12 of them are people I don't remember who they are. Or like, I just vaguely know that like, I used, I worked at that, like I worked at Sushi Kaputamura four years ago and this guy worked there for one week right when I started and he quit. So I, I only met him like three times, but everyone I sort of know from that place that I worked with for for a while, they all know him. So so I do remember those guys, and I'm mutual friends with this guy, with all of that those guys. There's a lot of shit like that. It's like, we do have a lot of mutual friends. Or the other 12 are like, people, I know who they are, but they're really not my 12 closest friends. But they are the 12 people I know who post. So it's like, why am I... Like, what we need is really a feature where people get segmented into like five layers of intimacy where you like say okay so this person is like a very someone I really care about and then this is a that person is a five out of five I really care about this person and then this person is a four I do care and then this person is a three pretty good friend and then this person is a two kind of an acquaintance and then this person is a five like I don't really know this person and then the feed takes all of that into account so that it's mostly I get to see stuff from the people that are like fours and fives because it's so boring. Like if you really slow down and take a step back and like look at what are these 10 posts here, that the 10 first posts, you get, you realize that it's like, it's so, it's such a bad product. Like this is not interesting to me. And the, a very interesting thing is to take a break from it and do a little bit of a digital detox and then come back to it. And when you do, it can be hard to get back into it. And you realize that it's like so, I don't know. It's so, it's like the biggest company in the world. It's the biggest thing. It's the most profitable organism, economic organism on the planet. Why isn't it a better product? It blows my mind. Because sure, there's like this incentive problem of it's not actually trying to entertain me. It's actually just trying to keep me engaged and because the more engaged I am, the more money they make through advertisement. And if we changed the whole adver- the whole business model to a subscription thing or whatever, then they would have to actually make me happy instead. Blah, blah, blah. You can do all of that. But even if it's a question of engagement, why isn't it better jet- just at, I don't know, whatever. Let's review another water. 
Instagram is a much better product than Facebook. Facebook is a surprisingly shitty product to me. It's absolutely fascinating. And the the people who invented every single part of it have all moved away from it and... Every, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to hear like the stats of like, okay, the, the 500 engineers working on Facebook, 450 of them do not let their kids use Facebook. It's like, oh, okay. So this is just the cigarette company of our time, you know? This is just the uh, the big oil. So next water here, Clearly Canadian. I love the name Clearly Canadian. Every time I review a Clearly Canadian, I... <laughs> it's so funny to me because it's like what if a product was called obviously chinese <laughs> oh probably swedish mountain blackberry yeah the thing about clearly canadian they put a fucking they put a fucking place name adjective in front of the flavor they're always like wasteland pineapple you know flatland apple Mountain Blackberry. It's a glass bottle. It's got a fun shape. It's unique. Sparkling water beverage. All natural ingredients. Mountain Blackberry. Sounds good as fuck. Ooh, that's a mysterious, that's a devious smell right away. Nah, that's not very good. I just like the branding and graphic profile more than I like the actual water, huh? It's not that good. Wow. Bottled under the authority of the Clearly Food and Beverage Company. If you make food and your company is called the Clearly Food Company, Clearly Food is super red flag. Like, so is it not food? Are you trying to... That's like saying, yeah, we don't have... (laughs) Yeah, we don't have... We don't serve you uh, human fetuses incorporated. Like, why would you have to say that it's clearly food? Anyway, that's not that funny. Whatever. They can't all be funny. Not everything I say can be funny, okay? I'm not here to be funny. I'm here to complain about why I don't feel connected to people. And and I want to go on Facebook and I want to feel connected to people. Yeah, there's a in Stolen Focus, there's a big chapter on how if it wanted to make us happy, they could easily, they know where you are and you check in and there's so many aspects of it that have a a geographic, they, they have so much geographic knowledge about you. So they could develop all these products and functions and stuff about how you are here and people who are close to you these are the people who are close to you and this is like activities you guys could be doing and if it was centered on making you happy, it would do shit like that, where it's like, you know, this guy that you used to hang out with a lot, he's right here, he's, only, he's three blocks away from you, and they have a fucking deal on mini golf, on putt-putt golf, uh, just like four blocks this way, and you guys could go do that, or, you know, you could you could just go play pool over here, you like pool, you played pool. Wow, that turned into like how my mom talks. But maybe that's good. And if it was centered on making us happy, it could suggest stuff like that to us of like, 
but but they it it's built in that it can never suggest stuff like that because that's part of taking our eyes off the screen suggesting that we go meet up in real life includes taking our eyes off of the screen and it's all about just keeping our eyes on the screen and because of that it's all fucked because like <clears throat> god i would love that facebook feature I truly believe, and I have a horse in this race, so I'm probably wrong, but it's like I truly believe that even for profitability and even for stockholder value and even for like the actual business model that we're dealing with right now, if Zuck were to change the whole thing and be like, fine, let's turn it around. Let's make this a company people don't hate. Let's make this a company that makes people happy. I think that would be better for the bottom line because everyone like me would come back. But yeah, there's, I don't know. There's not enough people like me. Everyone else is just on there. Just fucking infinite scroll, whatever. I'm an idiot. I'm fucking disconnected from it all. It's totally wrong. Oh, the other reasons are like, fuck, we're food is a big one. Food, we eat all the wrong food. So many pollutants. All this boring shit. But um, I was hanging out with Maddie Ice yesterday. Ice Boy Plumbing. <clears throat> and it's like, you, you drive to his house. And when you're even when you're like 15 minutes from his house, you have no reception. He lives in this like enormous, vast swath of Northern California without cell phone no electricity, no, you know, no internet, no cell phone service, nothing. And uh, you get to this house and it's like all solar, all water from a well. And you're disconnected. And now I don't even bring my phone into his house anymore. I used to. And he'd make fun of me because like, I'd like open my email just as a sort of addiction behavior, even though I, I'm like 20, I'm a 20 minute drive from, from anywhere where I could check my email or get new emails, but I still take my phone out and just, just pull down to refresh <laughs> and nothing comes out, obviously. And he'd make fun of me and be like, bro, you're, you're, you're just going to sit here and read all the emails. Cause that's what I'd do. I'd be like, okay, let's just read the emails I got then. And it's like, yep. Same fucking fundraising email from Mark Rubio or some shit, you know? Trying to figure out what the enemy is doing. And now I don't even bring my phone into his house. And I just sit there and it's like... that Reading the book, Stolen Focus, for the whole... Throughout the whole thing, as much as I don't... As much as I don't like all these anti-vaxxer, flat-earther, hippie friends that I have, they have something figured out. They threw out the baby with the bathwater, but the bathwater is really bad for you. Because the bathwater is a broken medical system. It's a broken food system. It's a broken, you know, attention economy system. Like not having Wi-Fi, just growing massive amount of food on the meadow outside of his house. Just massive salads that are all harvested like an hour before from the meadow. And then just having your kid run around, having a pit bull... That's just like fucking barking up a storm, scratching the shit out of my truck when I pull up. They got something figured out. Just fucking 
pumping out kids, no contraceptives. About it's you're a thirty minute drive from a condom when you're out there because these are Catholic hippies. Oak Valley is just like a, it's a massive valley of really, really counterculture Catholic hippies. And um, you read this book, Stolen Focus, and it lists 11 problems with modern society, and, and none of them apply to Maddie Ice. Not the food system, not the fucking pollutants, not the fucking TikTok. Not the fucking confinement of... A weird one is... This is one that I... That is less cut and dry. It's like the the free child movement or whatever it's called. Like where you're supposed to let your kids play outside unsupervised. I think I did. Maybe I was part of the last... I was born in 1986 and it's possible... That I was part, I'm, I'd be really interested to ask my mom about this. Um, I think I might have been part of the last generation, last litter of kids that were just allowed to be like, all right, it's summer, you got two and a half months off of school, just like go out, go down by the creek, whatever, do your own thing, don't even tell me where you're going, you don't have a cell phone. Um, just when it's, when it's about to get dark, come back because we're going to have dinner, you know? Come back to your own house because it's Sweden and your kid, your friends are not going to feed you. Um, and I spent a lot of time by the creek trying to build dams, trying to stop the flow of the water. I remember so spending so much time down by the little creek. And this is like a small creek. It's like two feet wide. And the water is only like four inches deep or two inches deep or something. And I remember taking rocks and dirt and sticks and like sticking lots of sticks in there and then putting lots of rock and then putting mud on the rock and trying to get it to be as deep as possible. And then finding like little fish and then fish eggs and then mini fish and then frogs and then tadpoles and all the different, and like catching grasshoppers in a glass jar and like watching them die as I fucking close the lid and they run out of oxygen over the next couple of days, taking like an old ice cream carton, big puck, big puck in Swedish is like a fucking ice cream thing. Punching a hole in the plastic ice lid of the ice cream container, sticking them in there, keeping grasshoppers in there with a little bit of grass, chilling, gross, disgusting disgusting grasshoppers in my bedroom anyway I I just like I was allowed to just stand and not that I remember thinking about it like this but I, I was allowed to just stand by that creek and just look around and just be like where do I want to go and I could just go anywhere and there was like trees in a little wooded area over here and just like houses over here and just like walk around the neighborhood walk around the woods do whatever there's some goats over by the woods, you know, a little bit scary. That was a little bit scary because I was small and the goats were big and and you could go in there, but you'd stay pretty close to the gate because if they came close, I would be scared and I'd like run away. But then the thing is that we became fearful for our kids. So now it's like all play is supervised. And it's... um I didn't realize it until recently, and it's fascinating that all play outside became supervised. 
So the video games, like that's why Fortnite and Minecraft and those games have this sort of like free roam quality to them. Because it's just like, here are materials where you can like, you can like take the sticks and stick the stick stick the sticks into that fucking mud of the creek bed and then put rocks on there and then put the mud on there and try to stop the water, try to build the dam. You know, it's going to cost you a hundred wood and, and 150 mud. And those are your resources in Minecraft. Like Fortnite and Minecraft and these fucking free roam format video games became the substitute for just playing down by the creek. And it's, I don't know. I just found that to be such a, because I don't, play those games because i'm a grown-up and i got a car and i think i kind of get the same feeling when i now have a truck tent and an air mattress where i can just drive my truck anywhere and just go camping anywhere like there's some similarity there but um but the thing that's tricky is like, I want to have kids one day and I just don't know what to do because the world is dangerous. But it's also like, maybe you just have to let it be dangerous and you have to just have a bunch of kids. And if like, if one kid fucking gets a little bit fucked up, if one kid loses an arm, you know, you got three more kids. Better than all of them just being on TV all the time. It's kind of like that 4,000 weeks idea of like, you can't just think of it as, what if playing video games your whole childhood makes you a violent teenager? That's not why they shouldn't play video games all childhood. The reason they shouldn't just play video games is because that in and of itself, intrinsically, is not a worthwhile childhood. It's not for what result it produces. It's just for what it is in and of itself. Because a childhood is more worthwhile just like exploring. And then your teenage years, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's something in there. There's something in there that I agree with, but but man, it's a tough one. I remember being a kid and there was a playground and we were just allowed to roam free. And then um, there was this, God, I wish I had like, I wish I could interview the people involved, like my mom and the other parents about this. Because there was a thing with a pedophile. Where like at one point, there was, my friend's little sister was talking to some guy that, that, where we were like warned that that guy, that guy, he's, that's not the guy. Don't be talking to that guy. You know, let's review another water. This is poppy, strawberry lemon, third berry flavored water, prebiotic soda. This is some bullshit. Ooh, strawberry lemon. That smells really, really tart and delicious. Mmm. Wow, that's weird. It's weird because infused with apple cider vinegar. Yeah, it's very tart, but it's got this thickness to it. That's, oh God, that almost like a yogurt. Oh, like a tart drinking yogurt. Ooh, that's actually very cool, but it takes a little bit of getting used to, and it's kind of gross at first. 
but but I'm I think I'm into it. I'm going to give it a hesitant 7.5. Yeah. I don't know. I think Maddie Ice has a lot of shit figured out. The one thing that he keeps saying that I really bristle at that I, is I, he keeps he he'll go to like Yuba City or just somewhere. He'll go to tiny towns and and describe it as oh people are just living on top of each other there. And it's like that's not a good take because we have to live on top of each other. Like you can't magically have the world be sparsely populated because it's not because there's tons of people in the world. Like China just has a lot of people and there's no way for everyone to have a hundred acres each because that's what he's got. He's got, I'm sure it's a hundred acres or 70 acres or something. And that means that you have enough wood for the rest of your life to just burn in a little wood stove. And it's big enough that you can just let your kids roam and you're all right. But not everyone, some people have to live on top of each other. And he's like, nah, I don't believe it. I think it's a myth that it's overpopulated. It's like there's overpopulation is a myth. Like it's, it's, uh, they just, they just disseminate that idea to control our minds, to make people okay with living in like apartments, to like get people to not live in families and tribes and villages anymore. And it's like, who's the they, bro? Who's the they? Because the truth is that there's a lot of people out there. Right now I'm living on one acre. Me and this lady. Anyway, let's talk about something else. So I was um <clears throat> I was listening to a bunch of episodes of Lex Friedman, the Lex Friedman podcast where he talks to different AI experts. And these episodes are really Lex Friedman is awesome. And when he talks about general stuff, it's so understandable and he's so smart and it's so fun. And he talks to really smart people and it's great. But then when he talks to AI people, because that's his area, the thing gets so high level that you listen to them and like you don't understand it. First of all, all the experts, they're all like weird Europeans with crazy accents. And then they are so comfortable with these weird concepts that they don't explain that you can listen to a bunch of it and not understand. But there's something soothing, though, listening to it. And it's it's nice. And I'll, I'll fucking listen to it anyway. But but um, there was this one concept that that made me think of so many things. And it's like this guy talking about how they're trying to develop artificial general intelligence, which is you know, the thing where there's regular AI that you develop for a specific task. Like you invent a chess computer and you let the chess computer study a million games and then you let the chess computer play a million games against itself or another computer or a human or whatever. And then at the end, you get this like chess computer that's better than anything else. And that's cool. And that's impressive, and that's a thing. But what's even cooler is general intelligence and artificial general intelligence, where you just create a smart computer that can do anything. And there are so many lessons in there for us. And and he was talking about how you can give the computer, you can give the general AI 
a game, like any video game, just put it in front of any video game. But the thing is that you have to give it a little bit of context. The context being like, you are looking at a screen. Like you have to explain to the computer, like you're looking at a screen. This is called an Atari. It came out in the 80s. This is the boot up screen. This is the start menu. You know, you press start game and that's how you start the game. Like you have to help the computer along a little bit in the beginning. And it's so cute because that's how humans are too. Like humans are breathtakingly smart. But if you just wake up and you're in a black space and you have no idea what's going on, you always need a little bit of context. Like you need to be like, someone needs to hold you down and hold your head and look into your eyes and be like, you're seven years old. You're in the living room of your best friend. This is a living room. That's a TV. Your best friend is plugging in the Atari. You're about to play video games with your best friend. Like you have to get this context. And then after you've gotten the context, that's when the intelligence kind of gets to work. Because just figuring out context from nothing is like a weirdly impossible task. Where like context is easy to misunderstand if it's not explained. I found that, I find that so interesting, and it's a very interesting parallel between a AGI artificial general intelligence and human intelligence. Like we both are very very smart, but we both really need context. And if you shift, it's like the thing humans always talk about about their own understanding of stuff is like if you shift the context of a thing, that can really shift our understanding and interpretation and like our sort of take on something like we'll completely change opinions on something if the context is totally different like it's fascinating to me that context is a massive impediment for agi but so then you take this agi a a thing that a computer that can learn anything and you explain the context and you explain like look this is a game from the 80s like like press start here and then just like see what happens And then you can let the game play and the game doesn't even have you. It can be like one of those games where there's like bricks all over the screen and you control a little paddle at the bottom and there's a ball bouncing and you have to, you have to not let the ball, you know, some version of Pong, like a single player version of Pong where you have to let the ball hit every brick and you have to, you don't even have to explain to the computer, like you control the paddle at the bottom. You want all the bricks to disappear. If you just start get it going a little bit the game the computer will itself figure out that the most fun you can have with this is to realize they control the paddle and to make all the bricks disappear like the gate the computer will on its own with a simple enough game the computer will on its own figure out that that's that's sort of the most fun game that fun goal in this like micro micro universe of this game you know fascinating to me that's fascinating to me and then the other thing that's so interesting is like how where there's such a big the guy didn't talk about this but i think it's he talked about how you take an agi you let it play fucking some brick pong single player game for like, you know, a thousand hours and they get better at it than any human and they come up with strategies that no human has come up with, blah, 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 all this shit, right? But then you want to switch tasks. And then the computer has this like really hard time 
switching tasks. And when you then give it a new game, the computer will, in the beginning, make all these weird mistakes because it's like sort of assuming that games are similar. And it's sort of like taking lessons from the previous game and in, in using it in this new game where they don't apply. So the computer will do all this really stupid shit in the beginning. Um, and it will take it a lot longer to learn the game because it knows other games. And I think that's such a fascinating uh, parallel between a human mind and a computer mind because because of this thing of deep work in humans, like this thing that we are so, that we are in denial about. We're in denial about what it means. The truth is that if you are deeply, deeply focused on a task and then you feel stressed out and you feel uncomfortable and it's too hard and you you push yourself all the way up to your limits. So you're like, fuck, I just want to take a break. I'm trying to write this difficult piece of writing or I'm trying to figure out this difficult thing of code or I'm trying to design this thing or I'm trying to do, I'm like trying to solve this business problem. Whatever it is, you want to take a break and you check your email or you check your Facebook and you just want to take a break and you take your mind completely out of it and you check your Facebook. The truth is that if you were truly deeply thinking about it, then now that you've changed tasks to come back to your thing, it takes like 23 minutes to get back to the deep work that you were at, the deep work level that you were at. And if you, if it's a cognitive test where you really like just, it's an IQ test where you really just gauge someone's IQ, you get someone's IQ. And then if they switch tasks and they check Facebook and they come back to their IQ test, there's like, you have to knock 10 points off their IQ test. And it's like, that's like old news that I've talked about on the podcast a hundred times because it's the most fascinating thing to me. And I apologize for repeating myself, but it's like, if we are trying to do stuff, it's important to remember that. So what's the solution? Well, first of all, it's fascinating to me that computers are the same. If you take a computer and you just, you have it play Pong for a thousand hours, and then you're like, play chess for 30 minutes and then play Pong again. The computer's going to suck at chess for the thir for those 30 minutes because it has to take, it has to unload everything out of its memory, out of its working memory and put it back in the long storage memory and load all the chess knowledge back into the working memory. And it's like so similar to a human mind that the, the cost of switching tasks is enormous. And going back to stolen focus, it's like that task switching is a modern thing. Like we didn't used to have phones with a hundred apps on them in our pocket. Like there's a hundred different tasks that your brain could in, engage with in your pocket. And so you focus on something and you get, you just want to take a break and you look at your phone and you open any one of those hundred apps and you engage with the news, you check the news compulsively, whatever you do on your phone, it's a task switch. And it's like the 10 point drop in IQ that did, that just was not a thing in the 1800s the task switching. Like you could switch tasks a little bit, but if you were some sort of knowledge worker in the 1800s, certain things were better in the past. And that's hard to deal with. We changed everything. And some things are better and some things are worse. And that it's very hard to parse it all. Anyway, I'm kind of running out of steam. I got to unpack all these boxes.
I gotta get some wall art. I gotta figure out a way to hang stuff without damaging these walls. Gotta get this echo. Gotta put up some fabrics so that this echo isn't so bad. I gotta get a fucking rug. What's better? Like, dude, I've been living in houses with carpeting, and then people still want rugs. So I've been living in all these places with fucking gross American 1980s, 1970s carpeting that then people put rugs on top of the carpeting. And uh, ever since I moved to America, I've been like, what is that? That is so weird to me. And then now finally I just have, even though this is shitty fake wood, at least it's like this sort of laminate fucking glue on fake looking wood, something you can wipe and vacuum. And at least it's not carpeting. And then I can put a rug on this and it's going to be fucking tits, dude. It's going to be tits. I'm so happy to be living in this place. Oh my God. I love this fucking little cottage I found in North San Juan. (laughs) I pronounce it wrong. I say North San Juan, but it's not you're not supposed to overpronounce it and say it correctly and say North San Juan. You're supposed to say North San Juan is Juan, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what they're teaching me. Anyway, whatever. I love you guys. Thanks for listening.